Hello, and welcome to Media Mavens. This is episode 31. I'm Pam, and with me, as always, is Riley. Hi. Hello. How are you doing, Riley? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, Today, for the first time in Media Mavens history, (laughs) our main topic of discussion is going to be focused on music. And if you've been listening or following Riley... You might be able to guess what kind of music. Mm. (laughs) Um, And with us today to talk about that, we have Tamar Herman. Welcome. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, So uh, like the girl said, my name is Tamar Herman. I am one of Billboard's main K-pop contributors. Uh, I write for a bunch of different outlets. I'm a freelancer who focuses on East Asian music and pop culture and how it relates to the U.S. and how social media has affected all that. So this week was a big week for K-pop. So I'm really happy that we're talking about this on (laughs) Media Mavens. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't even know that was that was planned, but then I saw the news about the Billboard Awards, and I was like, oh, wow, that's good timing. Yeah. <laughs> Pam, when you were like, do you want to do, like, a K-pop episode at some point? I was like, this is the week to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get into the K-pop, we talk about just what we've been up to in the latest uh, week or so. Uh, so Tamar, do you want to start out with that? Uh, sure. Um, okay, so so I know that you guys talk about games and stuff, and I don't play mm-hmm. any like video games or anything, but I just learned how to play Ragnarok, which is a board game where you are involved in like the Norse mythology of the world coming to an end, and you have to like, oh, wow. per- you have to like fight other like nordic heroes to win glory and battle before the end mm-hmm. of the world like that's the point like you're not supposed to like win this game like you couldn't win by dying and that's actually how the people who i played this game with that's how they won they had never played it before either and somebody who else was playing with us we were playing like four players and the team that won it was a husband and a wife and they were just like we're gonna die to win so like every time they died they made sure that like they got like 100 points for killing their characters instead of like 10 points and this was, like, the most ridiculous game I've ever played. And every time we were, like, just doing something where, like, we'd pick up a card and be, like, Thor and Loki. And we just made so many Thor references <laughs> and, like, Marvel references. It was just such a fun thing. And the game is really well-crafted. So that was really cool. And I kind of got – I don't really get why people like video games, but I always like the graphics. And this was really well done, the art it, uh, the art on it. So I was just like, this must be why some people, like, like get into video games initially. <laughs> Or at least that's why I would get into video games if I ever decided to what, to play video games. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I re- uh, today, I finished The West Wing for the first time. I've been watching it. Oh, nice. It's really, really <laughs> good. Um, I, I had a, like I had a hard time getting through the later seasons right after Sorkin left, mm-hmm. but I really liked the last season. It's kind yeah. of it. I watched started watching it before the election, and it helped me understand some election topics really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been weird like watching it slowly. Like I, I had to like stop at some points when like politics got too real in life um so i watched really slowly and i'm happy that like i finished it but even more exciting than that i saw wonder woman last night oh nice i can't Uh, wait to see that it was really good i'm i'm not really supposed to say anything they were like 
if you're if you're a media outlet or like someone who thinks you're a media outlet, like you can't write anything until midnight Monday night. So like I was just like I pitched an article on this. I actually really need to write this. So like I was sitting in the theater like emailing my editor like, okay, so I can't give it to you until Monday. <laughs> um, but it, it was really good, and I think people will really like it. I hope people will really like it. Um, and I think other than that, I just finished the Sarah J. Mass. Um, Court of Wings and Ruin. It's the third in her series. I don't know if either of you read it. I'm a big fantasy reader, and it's really good, and they should make a movie of it. Um, or a TV series. But not her other series. Her other series is horrible. <laughs> Just this one. <laughs> Just this one. It's really good. It's like starts out based on Beauty and the Beast, and then they incorporate oh. other fairy tales into it. So like it's in another world where fairies exist, oh. and like they're not like magical. Like they are magical, but they're just another race on this world. Um, and so she gets kidnapped by a fairy king. And a lot happens. Uh-huh. So I, I thought it was going to be as cheesy as Twilight. It was so much better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, so it was good. I just I just like finishing series. I hate when I start something and I don't finish it. So I was happy that this one came. I thought it came to a conclusion in the third one. And then at the end of it, like everything was finished. And it's like, more books will come in this series. And I'm just like, you literally saved the oh. world. <laughs> it was so frustrating. I don't know. But I think that's, that's just about it aside from K-pop. Yeah. <laughs> it's been it's been busy for k-pop lately so yeah okay so uh these last couple weeks i actually had to like try and figure out when we recorded last because i couldn't remember this is like the second time where we've recorded on a weekday and it like mm-hmm. <laughs> throws me off because i'm like all the stuff that i had done on the weekend i'm like oh i can actually talk about that so it's good <laughs> um so i uh actually jumped back into here's the storm um, played a bit more of that, and the more that I play Heroes of the Storm, uh, and I guess tomorrow, if, I don't know if you know anything about Heroes of the Storm at all. No, but I'm Googling as we as talk. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, like a team, uh, I wouldn't call it like a, it's like a team brawler, that kind of game, kind of yeah. similar to League of Legends. But, okay. But like Blizzard doesn't want it to be. <laughs> in the MOBA genre, so they're like, they're like, don't call it a MOBA. It's a team brawler, but it's but it's a MOBA. It's a MOBA. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so I jumped back into that, and I played some of the new maps. I played uh, some with with some of the new characters. I didn't get any of them, but um, yeah. And the more that I play Heroes of the Storm, the more I like it, uh, and I'm, the more like I remember that I like it. Um, so it was mm-hmm. good to kind of get back into that. Um, and I played enough to get the new skin for Diva in Overwatch. Uh, her police, like police officer, Hannah Song. Oh my god, I love it mm-hmm. so much. <laughs> when you use her boosters, you get the little sirens from like the police car. So you like use her boosters to fly across the map, and she goes like wee wee wee. Thank you. It's so good. Um, and then, uh, of course, in like typical Overwatch fashion for me, the season is ending in five days, or four mm-hmm. days now. So I'm gonna do my placement matches over the weekend, <laughs> as oh, that's usual. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then Overwatch has this huge anniversary event um, happening where they've added skins and dances and emotes for all of their characters. Uh, and it started already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tuesday, oh, cool. Tuesday. Uh, and then they have like new 3v3 maps. Uh, I don't know other maps. I've only like jumped in to grab 
loot boxes uh, because <laughs> I can't resist buying them. <laughs> eh, and I played a little bit. I didn't do any competitive though because I have to like psych myself up to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll get to it eventually. Uh, those are the only games that I played. Um, and then Sarah, when uh, one of our friends, uh, Sarah on Twitter, she, well, also in real life, uh, <laughs> our friend Sarah. <laughs> Um, she wanted to know kind of our thoughts on the actual finale of Riverdale because when we talked about it last time, we both thought it was the last episode. Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch it, Pam? Yeah, I watched it. Uh, I thought after the, the penultimate episode, it was a little, a little slow. Like there wasn't as much going on. I liked that there was lots of smooching. Uh, but otherwise, it was a bit of a what? Finally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, it was sort of like eh, it was okay. I really liked the the previous episode though. Yeah, yeah. Like after having all of that huge, like the huge kind of climax, uh, and then have this episode kind of take a slower route to get to the end of it was really strange. Mm-hmm. Have you watched any uh, Riverdale tomorrow? No, I, I was finishing West Wing, and I have, like, a whole uh, list of things. I actually found out that I didn't finish Arrested Development. I thought I did, and there's another season that was, like, hiding oh. on Netflix. So, <laughs> yeah. so Riverdale, Riverdale comes after the last season of Arrested Development. But I'm a big Archie comic fan, so I, like, was avoiding it until people were like, no, you need to watch, and I'm just like, okay, I'll just go into it just thinking, okay, this is not, like, Archie comics. Oh, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> super, super different. The tone of it is, like, yeah. You'll, you'll see when you watch it. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I started watching Master of None Season 2. Uh, oh, nice. And I loved the first season of Master of None. And the first couple episodes of Season 2 have been just as good. So I can't wait to watch more because I've heard, like, that there are some really good ones, uh, like, you know, in the middle of the of the season. Um, that's just that show's fantastic. Will and I just rewatched the finale of season one in preparation for season two, but we haven't actually gotten into it yet. It's it's so good, and like <laughs> it's I don't know. It feels like super applicable to uh, like I don't know, kind of being stuck uh, where mm. you are because he you know he goes to make pasta in Italy. Mm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But, like, you know, just kind of taking that leap and actually doing something that you really want to do. Uh, oof, you know, I'm feeling that <laughs> mm-hmm. lately. Um, so, yeah. And then, like, Aziz Ansari is so, like, he's so funny. And I, but, like, not in a really annoying way, which I find some some really fast talkers can be funny, but also, you know, like, kind of annoying. Mm-hmm. But I find that he doesn't get that way, which is good. Uh, I started watching another K-drama, uh, but I'm doing it with a group of other people and we're watching it without subtitles. Uh, it's called Dream High and so far, uh, well, what I've got from it, uh, is that it's like a school where, like a vocational school kind of, and... The girl is going into the school because her dad lost some money to a loan shark. I have to rewatch it, the first episode, anyway. But 
Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Or you could not. <laughs> oh, no, is it that bad? Uh, no, I mean, Dream High 2 was, was 10 times worse, but I guess I got through Dream High 1 enough and I liked it enough at the time. <laughs> but, but, like, looking back on it, it was definitely... I watched it when it came out, and I think that was when I was, like, first year in college or something. I'm like, it was okay then, but now I was, like, a little bit older. I, like, laugh at how silly it was. But it, it did launch a few popular actors' careers, so mm-hmm. it is, like, a, a memorable show to, to try. <laughs> I mean, I it's, like, the kind of concept and then the acting in it is probably not something that I would have chosen by myself, but, like, the group kind of decided on this one to watch so i was like all right sure i think that's so smart i wish i was doing that i always watch them with subtitles and i shouldn't because i've lost all of my korean and i should just stop watching with subtitles because i'm lazy it's it's tough (laughs) it hurts it hurts my head (laughs) but it's uh it's worth it and like i've been writing down words that i'm like oh i think i know what that is and i'll like write it down really quickly and pause it and be like okay okay and then i'll go Mm -hmm. look and uh so it's it's helping like hear with like hearing uh, words, but uh, I still don't know like a lot of vocabulary, so I'm trying to pick that up. Um, and then I found a YouTube channel uh, called Jolly, which is a spinoff of one that's called The Korean Englishman. Um, and he's teaching his brother how teaching his brother Korean using the talk to me in Korean curriculum that I'm using. Oh, cool. uh, <laughs> And it's actually pretty funny because the, the dude that is trying to learn it, just like, he's like, he's trying really hard, obviously, but like he, uh, like watching somebody else learn at the same kind of pace that I'm learning at is, has been uh, kind of funny because he'll just like spit out a word that he knows. And his brother is like, why did you say that? <laughs> but it's a word I know. Um, so that's been pretty good. Um, and then the reason that we recorded during the week last time uh, was because I went to the Toronto K-pop con. Uh, and I got to see Card. Oh, live. how are they? Uh, awesome. They oh, were yay. so good. Uh, they performed like all of their current uh, songs, which is like four or five, I think. Um, and then uh, did some covers and uh, a new one that they're planning on releasing when they debut in July, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, it was interesting uh, going and like not going for an actual like concert concert because they uh, don't have enough songs to fill up that much <laughs> time. <laughs> uh there was like Q and A sessions and or sections and uh, and some uh, like games and stuff like that. But uh, it was kind of cool to like see a fan meeting in Canada where like normally we wouldn't get to see that at all. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's what they did for TKC last year. Also, Fans oh really? Only. Yeah. Ah, uh, I thought. Uh, well, this year I know they had um, they had B two B, and I think that was a full concert. Oh, was it? Yeah, I'm kind if I'm of not mistaken. I'm kind of jealous. Last year, Got Seven and G Friend were definitely fan meets, and I think Vix was a fan meet. They may have been a concert. Oh, huh. I mean, both of I, I would have gone to see all three of those. Did you see B Two B? They're supposed to be really good live. I, I didn't. Like... No, Aww. their tickets were really expensive. Uh, oh, that's for so those annoying. Guys. Yeah, 
But yeah, I wish I did now. Uh, after seeing like some like YouTube videos and stuff of people that were there, because uh, it looked really good. And uh, that's it. That's all that I've been up to. All right. Um, for me, I've played less games than normal. I started playing a game called Steam World Heist, which is like a turn-based combat sort of XCOM light game, and you play these uh, robots and you're out in space. I think the Earth has exploded, and you play this team of robots who drive around on their ship in space, uh, beating bad guys, and it's got this cool mechanic where you can, like, ricochet your shots off of things in order to hit things, and there's also a hat collection aspect (laughs) to the game, (laughs) which is pretty fun. I also played... Siberia for the first time which is a point and click adventure game from 2000 it's either 2002 or 2004 and it's been one of those games that like I saw in the store when I was I guess like 20 um and it's I wanted to <laughs> so long ago <laughs> so long ago yeah and it's sort of been like on my games to play list since then Mm. Uh, so I finally played it as part of a playthrough for, um, RF Generation, and it wasn't very good at all, which is disappointing, because, like, the reviews at the time were all pretty glowing, and they said it was a really great game, but I think it's because there was a, a lull in adventure games the year, or the couple years around when it came out, so I think people were just, like, like desperate. Right place, right time. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it got really heavily marketed. Uh, but yeah, playing it now, it just it wasn't that interesting. Like oh. the the story wasn't that interesting. It looked nice, and it still looks pretty nice. But um, like it just felt like doing a series of menial tasks while your character walks very very slowly across each screen. So <laughs> it's nice to finally you know check that one off. But it wasn't actually that good of a game Mm. um i also started watching american gods um i think the doc web asked about that last Uh, yeah yeah episode and uh i didn't i haven't read the book so the first episode was um just beautiful like the cinematography and like the color grading uh it was just gorgeous it's done by brian fuller who is the same guy who did hannibal um and so everything is just like this visual feast uh but honestly i had no idea what was going on like i now know the story is about the old gods like one of whom is odin fighting the new gods which are things like media and technology but from that first episode i had no idea what the story of the series was going to be about uh but it's like it's just so pretty that I almost don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so I think there's been four episodes now. So it's been, uh, it's been sort of hit or miss. I liked the last episode a lot. Uh, there was one, a couple episodes that I thought were a little bit slower, but uh, I'll see where it's going. And Jillian uh, Anderson as ah. Lucille Ball was everything I wanted it to be. And uh, apparently in the next episode, she's going to be dressed up as David Bowie. So that's like almost too much. Hey, too I was going to ask. I've seen it. Of course you have. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, so I eagerly await that. Uh, and then I went and saw Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Yeah, oh, I just saw weekend. that. Yeah. I just saw it Saturday night. Okay, nice. Did you like it? That oh, was good. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I really liked it. I I couldn't really remember what happened in the first movie. I saw that in the theater, but I haven't seen it since. So Ooh, long time. Uh, it was good. Like, it's very self-aware. I really liked how they did the opening uh mm. i think baby groot is adorable the cutest the cutest <laughs> thing ever he's so cute and i love that he's so angry so <laughs> mad he's always punching things uh that was great the scenes um particularly with um michael rooker whose character name i don't remember now uh, the, he's the, the blue, blue guy yeah, the blue guy. Oh, Yondu? <laughs> Yondu. Like, I think his scenes especially were pretty good. <laughs> so um, funny. <laughs> yeah. And Chris Pratt just g- keeps getting hotter somehow, and it's kind of disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you think of it tomorrow? <laughs> I think it's so funny you just said that, because, I, like I said, I, I, I didn't realize I had a season of Parks and Rec to watch, so, like, I was watching mm-hmm. it today, and I was just, like, looking, and I was like, Chris Pratt, like, going from, like, Guardians of the Galaxy back to Parks and Rec, like, it doesn't make any sense, but it does. <laughs> uh, I really liked it. I thought it was really funny, and, like, it had touching moments. It was it was a little, like, uh, like you knew what was going to happen, but it was still mm-hmm. really, really good, and I liked, like, I liked all the villains. I liked everything that was going on. I, Me and my friend walked out, and we were just like, we are Groot. <laughs> like, he's adorable. <laughs> like, I want them to just keep him as a baby. Yeah, like mm-hmm. forever. Um, yeah, I remember we had a a question. No, I think I think I brought it up last time, uh, and I didn't want to spoil anything for you because you hadn't seen it yet. Um, mm-hmm. But they were like, "Oh, the best scene is something about I don't know Rocket talking to Groot," and I was like, "No, no, no." Uh, so I, in my opinion, I thought the coolest scene was when Yondu was using his whistle. Yeah. <laughs> And you like it was like slow motion, like leaving laser trails everywhere. Like that was the coolest scene. I don't even remember what article it, that was now, but I was so mad because I was like, "Dude, you're so wrong." <laughs> You'll yeah. If you want to see Wonder Woman, there's a similar effect with her whip, and it's really cool. Yes, awesome. <laughs> I'm so <Yeah>. excited. <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll do an episode on Wonder Woman too. You should. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I. I really liked that scene. I also, I'm a sucker for that kind of thing, though. Like, in, in any recent X-Men, it's, like, the Quicksilver scenes that oh. are mm. my favorite. So, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I kind of wish they used Gamora a bit more. Yeah. rather sidekicky. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but in general, I thought it was really good. Oh, but one thing I wanted to mention was when we went to see it, we saw it in this thing called D-Box. Oh, which no, is like the rumbly seats. The rumbly seats, yeah. which I had never heard of before. <laughs> but uh, we saw it in the rumbly seats. And sometimes the rumbling wasn't like quite on track with like oh. movements and sounds <laughs> in the movie. But sometimes it went nuts. Like when Gamora picked up the ship cannon or mm-hmm. ship machine gun, oh, yeah, like yeah. it just... The chair went nuts, but it was, it was very strange. Although I kind of liked it, it was like made things a little more exciting, I guess. <laughs> it was like, a, have you? Do you remember? I don't know if you've been to Canada's Wonderland in a while, but like the the ride that like the seats move, 
it's in like the theater place and the seats move all around that's what that reminds me of uh, except the seats I think don't move in the actual theater that's like that sounds like a, there's a ride at disney that does that oh yeah i think it used to be like days of thunder or something yeah. yes. and then it switched with, uh, with every time the ownership switches it changes names. it was spongebob at one point there was a SpongeBob yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. days of thunder yes gosh that was the best okay. <laughs> sorry <laughs> that was when paramount owned it i guess yeah yeah <sighs> <laughs> all right i think that's it for what we've been doing so that brings us to our main topic for this episode which is hallyu um specifically k-pop but we might touch on some other topics as well uh since i am sort of the neophyte of this group can someone explain to me what is hallyu yeah so hallyu is kind of just the term uh that is used for like the spread or diffusion of Korean culture. Uh, I think it literally means like the Korean wave. If that's if I'm remembering correctly, uh, it's a it's a term like that was used in Chinese media to describe how uh, the Korean pop culture was entering society. Uh, so like it, it was describing it as like it's a wave that's coming and it's been used ever since. So uh, it's like a flow from one culture to another. Uh, so Tamar, how did you first get into uh, all this Korean pop culture? Uh, there was a lot of things, a lot of reasons, <laughs> but uh, the the main one, the one that like I always talk about is I was I was looking for background noise in high school. Um, I speak I was I speak Kore- I speak Hebrew and I was studying Spanish and I was just looking for some music in the background that like wouldn't distract me and like mm-hmm. Europe and like. Uh, Europop, like, and I didn't get along then, so I was, like, looking for something really, really different, but I do like pops, so something that, like, sounded like what's on our radio, but not so similar that I'd sing along to it, so joke's on me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, somebody suggested Japanese music, because this was when, like, J-Rock and J-Pop was still, like, booming a little bit to some degree, not really, but, like, you know, like, Gwen Stefani and Avril Lavigne were doing their whole weird appropriation thing so it's like mm-hmm. oh okay mm-hmm. cute harajuku whatever um so someone told me to listen to j-pop and i hated that because it was really not the type of music i like and i but i did end up starting watching japanese dramas and one of those dramas led me to the korean version of that drama it was boys over flowers oh. and i so that <laughs> i watched all the japanese ones there's like two series and a movie in japan in japan and then i watched the korean one and the korean one has a really phenomenal soundtrack uh, it's a little dated now, but it had a really phenomenal soundtrack, <laughs> and that led me to discovering uh, that starred uh, Kim Hyun-jung, who was uh, in Double S 501, and so I, I like, discovered them, and that led me into other K-pop acts. So that was that. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and Riley, how did you get into it? Because I know it just, like, <laughs> appeared, and I, I don't actually know, like, what specifically it was that got you into it. Um... So I, uh, it's funny that you mentioned uh, background music, uh, Tamar, because I kind of used it for the same thing. Um, so uh, I used to play World of Warcraft. Uh, that's how Pam and I met. <laughs> um, and uh, while we were raiding, this I think this is before I met Pam, but anyway, um before, like, while we were raiding, I was looking for, like, music that I could put on in the background that, you know, like, I, maybe I didn't have to concentrate on, uh, like, voices and stuff, uh, and I could just listen to, like, 
the people in my raid group talking over um, voice chat. So I was like, you know, I had one of the uh, raid team members recommend some music and she was like, oh, like, have you ever like listened to Korean pop music? And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, and she recommended, um, she like put together a playlist. So I had, um, I'm trying to think of what groups it was. The, it was um, Abracadabra, the Brown Eyed Girls. Brown Eyed Girls? Yeah. Um, and G-Dragon's single Heartbreaker. <laughs> uh, so this must have been around 2009. Yeah, yeah. Like a, so around the same a time. A while ago now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, like G uh, Girls Generation. And so, yeah. And she like put together a whole playlist. Um, so I would just put that on kind of in the background uh, while I was playing World of Warcraft. Um, and then uh, it kind of like I kind of fell off listening to it for a while like didn't really keep up with anything and then uh last year i saw it was on youtube and i saw like a reaction video by like the fine brothers i think it was um and they had uh bts on there and xo uh so i watched that episode and i was like man i miss k-pop and then i kind of went back and <laughs> uh, in. yeah yeah so i like I'm like fully entrenched now. It's not going away. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's kind of how it started. And then I was like, oh, watch some shows because I just like was looking for more things to to watch. And so there it is. That's what happened. Awesome. <laughs> um, so how popular is K-pop in North America? I really don't have a a sense of it, <laughs> other than like me. <laughs> Other than you, <laughs> um, that's that's actually probably a pretty good uh, like reference point. Most people in the U.S. in, in North America, you guys are Canadian. Uh, most people in North America <laughs> don't really know much about K-pop. Like people will be like, "Oh, Psy, maybe," or "Oh, I have a friend who's into it," but like most people aren't into it. It's not a mainstream thing. Um, like most people who I know, like when they saw that BTS like won at the Billboard Awards, if they were watching Billboard Awards because it was not really well viewed but um if like people saw it they were like they thought of that one friend like i had multiple people text me like are you watching this is crazy and i'm just like (laughs) yeah i'm watching like i knew like yes we knew they were gonna be there (laughs) um but so so most people have like a reference point for it but it's not necessarily a mainstream thing it's kind of like what anime is to a lesser degree anime definitely has more fans in the u.s than um Mm. k-pop but it's 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 I don't want to call it a subculture, but to call it a subculture wouldn't be wrong. There are millions of fans mm-hmm. in North America that like K-pop, that like Hallyu. Um, if you, especially um, depending on like what your upbringing is like. So if you're like, if you have an Asian background, like if you're, if you're like live in a big Asian community or you are like of Asian descent, you probably know a lot more K-pop than other people. That doesn't mean that every single person in the country who, or in North America who is of Asian descent knows stuff about K-pop, mm-hmm. but those, like the communities as a whole tend to be more influenced by culture coming out. So like there's a, a thing in, in like political science that like if something gets popular in China, it spreads around the world because China has so many, uh, has such a big, outlying community like around the world so when Mm -hmm. like k-pop songs get popular in china or korean dramas get popular in china you tend to see them pop up more and you tend to start seeing them more like well known even in american culture in general um so i mean so 
it's not always the case. Like Sai got popular here and it wasn't because of China and Tiara supposedly is popular in China. I don't really hmm. follow much of China's stuff because I don't actually know what websites I would look at because there's so many that covered in um, <laughs> China. But a lot of it's like kind of just like a random like little gradual dispersion. Like we call it the wave, but it, like the Hallyu, it's Korean wave. But it, I've like it's like more of like a little drizzle that like pops up every once in a while. And like <laughs> there there are like KCON has hundreds like I think it's over a hundred thousand fans going to the two events on the east and west coast every year. Yeah. But but it's not like comic-con or something and i yeah. and, and it, it is unlikely that it will end up being something as big as comic-con but um it is it's there and there are a lot of fans and they like it for whatever reason that they like it i don't know i try to avoid like talking about why people like because like i can say a lot but i don't know really why people like it <laughs> <laughs> well why do you like it um i think it's cool uh one of the reasons that i also liked it when I first got into it in high school was because there was no cursing in American music at that time mm. to me personally seems like there was a lot of like hip hop in the music in like the music industry and um not that hip hop is like bad or anything but um like it seemed like back in like 2008 2009 when I first got into k-pop like I just remember like thinking like oh there's so much like vulgarity or just like I want to sleep with that hoe on the radio so like listening to k-pop isn't it like was never about that we're like kind of getting increasingly like that um to some degree like it's definitely like more sexualized than it was even like two or three years ago in general as an industry um so i think that that's like i'm not gonna say that that's an initial draw for a lot of people but i think that that is like a factor like it's kind of more wholesome and some people are drawn to that the music is also really high quality like it's it's well produced like it might not be like something that you personally want to listen to but if you listen to a k-pop song it's really hard to deny for a good k-pop song that it is a well produced um sort of music mm. and mm-hmm. um just in general because we're in like the internet age k-pop was built to be a an audiovisual spectacle like it wasn't built to be just a song without a music video like most the majority of the songs that get popular in korea and internationally are ones that have the pairing of a good music video and a good song and Mm -hmm. that's like a big factor because you're giving people entertainment you're not just giving them like background music like i think most people get sucked into k-pop not necessarily because like they're listening to music but because they're listening to the music and then they find band members that they're interested in and then they find that these band members like are acting and then Mm -hmm. they find that they're in movies and tv shows and on variety shows and then you kind of get sucked into the culture and that seems to be from what i've seen about fans how a lot of people get into it like they they get into one thing and then they want to learn about others and it's like a rabbit hole it's like alice in wonderland of music (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah there's so much content like um a lot of the groups i find do like their own variety shows too um Mm -hmm. uh, like especially on the v live uh platform um so like for people that don't (laughs) know what i'm talking about at all uh, (laughs) it's kind of like live streams yeah yeah like i guess uh like Twitch or even like what Justin TV was before it got shut down where like <laughs> um uh, where it's like kind of like not I wouldn't say like real life that's that's not uh really what it is but it's like uh yeah definitely like a bunch of live streams um some groups have like pre-recorded content that they put on there uh like regular releases 
Um, and you can you can go back and watch those. And like for some groups that have been around for a long time, there is a lot of stuff to watch. And uh, I find, especially now, because I was talking to someone who um, was into K-pop uh, and her first group that she kind of listened to was Shinwa. Mm. Um, and she's like, yeah, I remember like borrowing a VHS from my friend so I could watch their performances, uh, oh like at home, um, on the TV, uh, in like really terrible quality, but it was still Shinwa, so it was still great. Um, and, uh, now like with, uh, how easy everything is to access on the internet, um, I find uh, like it's way, way easier to find performances and even like fan cams of performances that like maybe there wasn't an official recording of, but somebody took a video and <laughs> you can kind of see like at uh, like a concert or something that maybe you wanted to go to or whatever, but couldn't make it. You can still watch them. Um, so it's really, really easy to find content about groups that you like. Uh, and all of it, or most of it, is is free online. So it's, like, especially for younger people, um, it's a lot easier to access because they don't have to, like, you don't have to bug your parents <laughs> if you're really young. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and you can just, like, go on YouTube and sit on there for, like, hours and hours and just, like, cycle through music videos and live performances and like variety show appearances and it goes on and on and on sometimes i like get bored and i'm just like no that's impossible like there's something i haven't watched yet <laughs> <laughs> there's all there's always something <laughs> um so tomorrow you mentioned that bts recently performed at the billboard awards first of all is mm. bts like one of the bigger acts like or the biggest act I'm gonna get in real. Uh, I'm gonna get really a lot of trouble if I say this, uh -oh. but they're not really. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there's there's actually this like thing. I'll, I'll explain about the. So no, um, I'll explain <laughs> about Billboard Awards first. So BTS is a very popular act internationally, and they have a huge social media following, and their songs have been getting a really good response in Korea, but they're mm -hmm. still not considered a top tier group. That said, no. they have a huge following internationally compared to many other K-pop acts. And there, they, it was a lot. There was a lot going on, and they ended up just becoming one of the main contenders in the social media age. And their following online is is rabid. Like mm. it's it it makes it sound bad, but there are really a lot of K-pop fans who are very very intense. And if you and like it was maybe it's just because like my Google Chrome settings were like you're gonna see all this stuff. Like I don't know, but it felt like I couldn't go into any video on YouTube, and I didn't see some bts fan comments or something like it just felt like it was <laughs> yeah. unavoidable like it was just like they're very dedicated and they want to find other fans and it's like a very common thing to like go on to a video on youtube like maybe not about k-pop but like about like news or something that has to do with korean you'll just see like any armies here armies are their fandom mm -hmm. um army um and they're just very loyal and so they've like it's been going on for a few years i think it was in 2015 i don't think it was in 2016 they had like the golden tweet of south korea which was like the most retweeted mm. image and um mm. it was one of their i think it was an award show picture of the seven members of bts and so it's just like it went viral in korea and it kind of showed very early on and relatively early on in their career because they started in 2013 i believe yeah 
I always yeah, think 13, I always 13. I always think 2012, but I wrote something today and and they, it was definitely 2013. And I'm like <laughs> thinking like it's 2013. So like even two years into their career, they weren't necessarily popular in Korea. Like people. I would say that people didn't really know their name yet in Korea, but a lot of international fans were really into them. And social media was a big part of this because BTS runs a very active social media uh, accounts. They have Twitter that they constantly update. They do a lot of V lives. They had a lot of YouTube reality shows. Like I, I feel like it wouldn't be incorrect to say that every day there are multiple updates from them, which was is rare from K-pop even now. And it, and it used to be rare. It used to be like unheard of a few years ago, but somebody at, their company or one of the members must have realized that international fans are eating up K-pop content online and they just took to it and they went with it and they've been like living it up. So they have a, a really large uh, following internationally. I did actually, I, I like I said, I was writing something about BTS today and I did compare their social media with other K-pop stars and like they have, around, they're just on the cusp of 6 million followers on Twitter, but in comparison, so G-Dragon, who's probably the most... <laughs> prominent k-pop singer at the moment aside from mm. sai who we can argue if he's k-pop whatever um g dragon <laughs> has 14 over 14 million followers on instagram so it could be a platform thing but i thought that was a um, kind of telling of showing like there's been this kind of controversy um it's just like been on twitter and like i haven't responded or anything because First of all, nobody's asked me directly and i usually respond to people when they ask me things directly on twitter or i dm them um, but there's this idea that BTS has been blacklisted in Korean media and that like they they're getting no love. And like it's because big cult, uh, big entertainment companies are essentially paying media outlets in Korea not to talk about BTS. Um, so uh, I think that the G-Dragon to BTS, like just showing how much there is a difference between like someone who is considered an icon in the industry and someone who's considered a really prominent Virgin, like they're an up and coming act. Like I don't think that it would be wrong to say that, and I think that they like have a good career ahead of them if if all goes well. I, like I'm really nervous to say things like that in the K-pop industry because things always go wrong. Oh, change so <laughs> fast too. Um. So, but um. So they have. So like, there's this theory going around like Twitter that's a, that's pretty much BTS isn't getting a lot of coverage in Korea because they've been blacklisted. People do get blacklisted. Like there was actually a lawsuit a few years ago about a group that broke up and their former company was using influence to blacklist them from TV shows and performances. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't necessarily think that's the case. Like if I, I can't check this up. I can't just call up entertainment companies <laughs> in Korea and be like, are you blacklisting BTS news? But people are, <laughs> there was like this video floating around where this guy pretty much was like, I Googled in Korea using like Naver and Nate and other Korean uh, search engines. And I couldn't find any news, but that's not really how Korean media works. And Korea just got a new president. So mm -hmm. most, most Koreans are not paying attention to K-pop <laughs> right now. Um, but like many, like there were news reports in Korea that like did it as breaking news. Like I saw videos of it. Yonhap is like the Korea, like the biggest news outlet. I think it might be government run or governments, like there's a relationship with the government. And, like, they definitely had at least one article about BTS, like, being, like, winning this major award at uh, the Billboard Music Awards. Um, 
if it's major, that's another debate, whatever. Um, because it, it was a, it's a social media driven award. So a lot of people are like questioning it's like validity. I think personally, I think like it's very cool because it is a social media award and they beat out Justin Bieber's fans who won yeah. every other year previously. So that just means that the fandom is really strong. They also got nominated not only because of their social media activity, but also because their charts records that reflected their social media activity and their popularity. Um, so I think it is personally, I think it's a big award, but uh, something that a lot of international fans are missing about the Korea lack of media is, is that like K-pop artists go overseas all the time and a lot of the time they do get a good response so like i think super junior who's another act who's like i really like them but they're like a kind of older act that doesn't really get a lot of popular like they're not considered a popular act anymore but they were huge in 2009 and like mm. i think that all of their singles still make it into at least the top five of taiwanese music charts and like they get <laughs> awards every every time they release songs so like it's like something really random but so korea doesn't like they really love like, it's, it's cool. Like, okay, Billboard gave him an award, but it's not the same, like, stature in Korean media as a Korean award ceremony. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't just, it just doesn't give as much coverage. And there was other big news, like, um, Sister is a girl group, and they announced that, like, they were disbanding. And I saw a lot of people mm -hmm. confused why, like, Korean media outlets were covering that and not Billboard as much. And I'm just like, well, like, they wrote an article about Billboard, but Sisters literally released a song every summer since they started in 2010 that's literally become, like, the soundtrack song of the summer. And they they were pretty iconic, so people are just, like, freaking out about it. Like, we're not going to get any more songs by this, like, summery girl group. And, like, that's what people are reading in Korea, apparently. <laughs> so, like, that's what gets coverage. And um, I do think that they're, like, I think it was a cool cool thing they didn't they didn't perform but they did get a like accept their award on air and and it seemed like people were interested in the audience i don't know what did you think riley i uh i actually missed like all the the live stuff so i had to catch up on it i was away uh like with, with no wi-fi and no phone data for this weekend <laughs> that sounds um, nice <laughs> i mean it was nice but it was also like i want to see <laughs> uh, I I've almost been like cuz I follow uh BTS pretty uh relatively closely I would say um and uh I'm almost like overwhelmed by the amount of coverage that they've been getting uh <laughs> because like to begin with um I know you mentioned uh like they already update their social media channels and and everything pretty regularly but then it's like, it's been, like, f almost a full week of, like, constant updates. Um, it's an from, like, So many different outlets, too. Like, um, one of the ones that I saw today was, like, Yahoo Esports. Oh, that was, was a cute. It was a really cute. And I was like, they play games that I play. Um, and uh, what else have I seen? Uh, some other, like, a bunch of other outlets. Like, I know Billboard did some uh interviews with them too and uh like they've been talking to all these different people and i'm just like gosh it's just so much uh which i guess is why maybe people are feeling like korea is like south korea is not talking about them is because there's so much here um but on the other hand like not talking about them i feel like would be a mistake almost because it's this I don't know, it kind of came 
not out of nowhere, um, but like the amount of votes that they got, uh, like compared to Justin Bieber that had won it like the last six years in a row. Um, Since 2011, yeah. Yeah, uh, like the amount of votes that they got was like, I don't even know, uh, uh, over, over 300 million votes or something, like on Twitter alone. The scale of that is is almost like it's almost too big to think about. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I'm also like kind of worried because I don't want people to just like taking advantage of them. However, I think they have a really good like management team, so I don't I don't really think that's going to happen. But uh, like you know, people piggybacking off of oh well, BTS was at the BBMA, so I'm going to talk to them and then post a thing and then wow, now I'm gonna do this and uh um so like as someone who's like part of the industry but also like i was a k-pop fan before i became a journalist but like i've worked in newsrooms i've covered other things so like it's very weird because i'm seeing all these fan accounts like why are only people who aren't like real k-pop fans interviewing them but then if someone (laughs) like if like if i went all fangirl out during an interview people would freak the hell out like you don't want that either (laughs) like you like i don't think people know what they want like it was so it's very weird and like there's been articles like western media is just like jumping on the k-pop train because it's good social Mm -hmm. media marketing i'm just like yes that is how social media works like (laughs) like and like i know a lot of people have been criticizing billboard because like there's an article like every five minutes and i'm just like because it's literally the billboard music awards like we're the only outlet that we like should be doing things like i (laughs) Their media team has been really, really great. I was dealing with trying to get a follow-up to their actual experience, and that just went up a few minutes ago. But because they were doing all these interviews, it was just like, okay, like, they're just really tired now. They just, like, need to sleep. I heard from somebody, like, who was doing an interview. She's like, they told me they haven't slept in 48 hours. Oh I'm just God. like, oh, crap, they need to, like, Let them get sleep. some rest. So, I mean, they, they just flew to Sydney, so hopefully they yeah, slept on the flight. Yeah, what, in eight hours like yeah it's like it's like now i just saw an australian uh, fan i follow on twitter was just like i'm seeing them and i'm just like oh wow that was really fast like this is kind of crazy i'm i'm almost surprised that they uh stayed so long in the states i honestly am too because i thought like one of my friends interviewed them and like in person i did an email one and she she was like, okay, like, so I'm entering, I'm after the show. She's, like, texting me. She's like, is the show on Monday night? And it's like, no, it's on Sunday. And she's like, I don't know why then I'm doing my interview on Tuesday. Like, that's odd. Mm. And so, like, they definitely had Monday here. And I know they did some stuff, but uh, I haven't seen so many videos yet that came out from Monday. It seemed like they were doing most of their media blitz on Tuesday. So maybe they were, like, relaxing and I hope partying it up a little bit on t- on Monday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hope so. I hope they got the chance to, like, at least enjoy a little bit <laughs> I, I hope so but maybe mm. not but I, I, I don't know it's just been like kind of crazy reading like everybody and and I think like people don't realize like just because I am a billboard writer like people don't realize that like we read it we read twitter too <laughs> like <laughs> like I'm just like you guys like we know what you guys are upset about in our articles like we're not gonna comment every time someone has an issue with like somebody yeah. saying something like um there was, like, a big article that, like, blew up in other outlets, like, real responses to it. And I'm just, like, seeing people still responding. I was just, like, you guys, like, there's been a lot of content. Like, not everybody's <laughs> gonna, like, a- 
uh, like I had one article that came out a lot. It happened to come out last week, but I actually interviewed them when they were here for their concert in like March. Um, it was a, it was a long delay. Um, and the article that ended up because of editorial decisions not being really what I had intended it to be. And a lot of people like freaked out because of it. And like the entire time I was just like, should I say something? And like they put a, they put a, they put a, I like hate comparisons in general. Like I try to avoid them in most of my, writing like yesterday i wrote about 17's new album which is really good everybody should go listen to it um it's great. <laughs> and it sounds a lot like chain smokers style music it does. And, and it took me a really long time to be like i can like can i call it can i not because i don't like doing that like i just don't like want to say like this album sounds like the chain smokers because that takes away from the artists who have produced it and like mm. it's not a, i don't think it's plagiarism i'd have to give it to someone who has a better ear than i do um to like decide whether it is or not i don't think it is uh, but like it's definitely influenced it by it so like it took me like a long time to like decide if I was leaving that sentence in or not I ended up taking it out but so this article that I wrote a few weeks ago was ended up getting a title that I didn't know it was getting this title until it was like already gone viral um, <laughs> that BTS is like a mix between Backstreet Boys and Gangnam Style and oh no and this article this article had been like going on for a while and like it kept getting cut and different things getting altered so like at a certain point I didn't really really I was just like okay like this I guess is okay like you my editor and I like we saw eye to eye on some things that were really good and other things where I'm like okay that's kind of weird but like this is for an outlet that never covered k-pop before so like okay like I get it um nothing's like factually incorrect but like there's things that I wouldn't say for a billboard article because most people clicking on billboard articles for k-pop no k-pop mm-hmm. um so like it was just very weird and I saw this huge fallout for like daring to like put Gangnam Style on the title everybody was like cursing me out I literally got a message from someone that's like it was like a death threat and I was just like you guys need to chillax yeah I did, I did not like open it I was like seeing it pop up on my like Twitter notifications on my phone it was like you crazy bitch like why do you put that and I'm just like I like I was just like I didn't even know this article was out yet so like I think people don't really think about that which is just like a personal thing as a journalist like Somebody is writing your comments, and because of social media, we are probably seeing them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when it like, it's interesting. It I really like like seeing how people are taking this whole BBMA thing and like seeing liking, like, it's very. I think someone like has to do a study on like the psychology of K-pop fans. Yeah, I'd be I'd be interested in in hearing a bit about that, uh, for sure. I um, I also kind of want to see the difference between like. K-pop fans who've been around for a while and K-pop fans who are, like, just getting into it. Because I, I'm, like, yeah. the difference between, like, you and me and, like, somebody else who's just getting into it, I would, I'd be really interested in being, like, so, like, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely a big divide. Even with this BTS thing, like, I think a lot of older fans are just, like, I know a lot of people have like freak out every time any article, like whether it's mine or somebody else's, like says like something about like they make like socially aware music, and I'm just like, yeah, no, we all know that other people in Korea make like music that has like lyrics about like social issues and stuff. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> um, but just like anything, like I think people tend to forget that like K-pop has done a lot in the U.S. before and done a lot internationally before, and like this is definitely, I think the biggest on like mainstream level mm-hmm. since Psy definitely um like it, they were on a, sh- a major primetime award show on a major channel 
like yeah that's not nothing but yeah I think it's I think it's fascinating and like seeing people I like like I said before I I do have a personal interest in like how people interact on social media like my degree my not my degree my thesis in college was on transmedia storytelling in k-pop which is essentially how k-pop emulates other pop culture um like fandoms and and creates types of personas and storylines that emulate like what like star trek did when they did Mm. like websites and books that related to the content or like what lost did when they had a website and board games that like were part of the story so like if you wanted Mm. to delve into it you could have different media um and k-pop definitely does that because like you have social media and you have like tv shows and you have music and you have performances and you have like you can buy food with like their faces on it if you want um (laughs) and beauty products so like there's a lot and there's definitely there's phone games like there's everything and so it's like a lot so like that was what my my thesis was on about how fans interact with that and so i just like go on to twitter sometimes and like ah people are upset let me read every single comment on this thread (laughs) so maybe it's just me like maybe it's just because i have a personal interest in it but i I think other journalists do that too (laughs) but i think it's fascinating i'm like giving away all my secrets (laughs) (laughs) that's really cool are you sure you're not into video games because there's a lot of video games that do that kind of stuff too (laughs) actually so like I, i i like am not into video games but every like few weeks recently i feel like i've seen like an article from Kotaku saying like a K-pop artist was emulated in this video game, and I'm just like, huh, it's not <laughs> happening. Like I don't know anything about video games, and I keep on seeing these articles. And like yeah, today, like... today my friend linked me. What was it? I don't remember what it was called. It was like a video game that was created essentially to raise awareness of Blasians, like Black Asians, um, in Asia. So it's a oh. Korean game created by a Blasian woman, I think. Um, it was a Mary Sue article and it was like about that. And there was some, there was like one reference of K-pop and my friend was like, you have to look at this. There's something about K-pop. Like, I think the the main character like dates a K-pop star in it or something. And I was just like, okay, like this is not uncommon. Like <laughs> video games and K-pop go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, here's the storm, the game that I was talking about earlier. They gave, um, the, diva character the she's like a korean starcraft player in the Mm -hmm. lore um anyway they gave her like the twice's tt and cheer up (laughs) like as her taunt and uh like dance emotes so i was like i looked at them and i was like i know what those are (laughs) oh i saw the video of that (laughs) it's so cute uh, anyway, <laughs> Pam, are you still with us? <laughs> I'm here. Yes. We like went off into the deep yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, I think there's definitely a correlation because uh, between sort of like K-pop audiences in well, music obviously, and then the video game audiences because there's mm. a lot of video game fans who are especially super into um, anything from Japan, especially. Um, I I managed to find all of them when I insinuated that Japanese role playing games aren't role real role playing games on YouTube. Oh no! Two days ago. Oh no! Have <laughs> so. upset the stands? I have. Um, <laughs> so we got some questions, uh, and they all come from one person uh, yep. at, at Rainworlds on Twitter, and they're all very good questions. I think. 
Uh, I don't have the answers to them, but <laughs> hopefully you guys do. Uh, so the first one is, why are K-pop artists so often framed through the lens of their respective corporations, similar to record labels? Um, and just before that question, um, a question for me. Uh, so K-pop bands are are manufactured like they're not just a group of guys who went to high school together and formed a band typically not right yeah okay yeah. uh so i mean so when most people talk about k-pop like it's used a pretty freely nowadays like you can use it for essentially anything but um there there are different industries in korea like there's the pop and the mainstream industry is k-pop and that's usually manufactured rarely once in a while you'll have somebody who like is actually like scouted at a, a at a audition or on a like trying out for a tv show like a a star search program or something end up in a k-pop act or as a soloist meant that's managed by a larger company like it's not usually like this band became famous and like we're playing in little bars and like they blew up sometimes that happens once in a while that happens but those aren't typically called k-pop acts those are usually called k-indie acts um Hmm. but most most k-pop acts are either trained from a young age and they make it their goal to get into larger entertainment companies or just into an entertainment company and debut as a K-pop star. Um, so there are training schools that people attend. They are much more common now than they were even four years ago or like even two years ago. And now it's kind of like if you're not a good enough student, you can try to go become a K-pop star by going to one of these schools and studying singing and dancing and acting and rapping and uh, voice lessons and emceeing and learn how to do everything in the entertainment industry. They're all around act, um, idols. Uh, so like, I feel like when most people talk about like a music idol, like, or they think, Oh, an icon, but in, in many Asian like music industries, idols are usually like trained celebrities who are Mm. produced by an entertainment company. It doesn't mean that they don't have any creative input, but Mm -hmm more often than not they are like their sound is determined by a company uh their image is determined by the company like bts one of the reasons that they were so popular is because their frequent social media postings kind of made them feel a bit more authentic than other acts who were their mm-hmm. same peer like the peers that were came out the same year because if someone's letting you into their apartment every hour of the day just like with a one second video like a 30 second clip or just a random picture like it feels a little bit more real than many of the other mm. acts mm. uh so yeah so k-pop typically are manufactured are quote-unquote manufactured i literally was doing quote-unquote with my fingers and realized i need to say <laughs> that um because i think personally it belittles like what the singers are actually doing but it is mm. it's definitely more of a open non-secret than like the American industry where we like thinking that even our pop stars have a hand in producing their songs when like mm-hmm. we can thank Max Martin for pretty much every pop song out there. <laughs> like <laughs> not really, but like it, it's, it's much less stigmatized in Korea um, to like have this manufactured music. Like America likes like the rock band that started in a garage that like went yeah. to the top of the charts. Um, it's like a something from nothing story and, and Korea doesn't like, like that's good too, but like that's not what, the music industry loves right now mm-hmm. all right so the questions was about k-pop artists being framed through the lens of their corporations i i don't totally understand the question so <laughs> uh, i 
I feel like, um, like the way that when I saw this question, the way that I was thinking about it, I, to, I guess maybe to give you some perspective, like I can't name a single record label off the top of my head, but I know like YG Entertainment, SM Entertainment, JYP, Big Hit Entertainment, like those are all, uh, like entertainment companies that, you know, have, um, like K-pop groups basically, or like K-pop artists. Um, so to me, that question is kind of like, why almost the way that I was reading, it was like, why are they like associated so much with them? Um, mm-hmm. like, like, why do I know the names of all of the entertainment companies? I don't know. I just do because they're attached to the names of, of all of those groups that I know. Right. Um, so it's probably like what Tamara was just saying about how mm-hmm. it's, it's not a secret that yeah. you're, you're being backed by an entertainment company where it might be uh, not as well publicized in North American acts. So um, I also think it has to do something with like Korean culture. Like there's a lot of big conglomerates in Korea, like Samsung, LG, Lotte, Mm. like they're just, they're just overwhelming and they kind of have the same thing in the entertainment industry. And they are really conglomerates in the entertainment industry. Like there's a lot of newer companies, but like they usually are from someone who's worked in a bit larger company. Like I think big hits founder, Hitman, he like started at JYP, I think if I'm correct. Um, and GFriend's like company, I can't remember its name. Um, <laughs> they like they're also Platus? No, 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 they're not Platus. Um, I forget what GFriend's company is, but like people were making a big deal that they're like this only act from this random company. But like I think that they got like their staff got their start at SM. Uh, so pretty much there's like it's kind of like the Motown structure where like a big company produces all these acts and like. Motown is wasn't was a record label and people know what a Motown act is like you start like thinking of like oh okay like all that bling and like uh yeah. songs to dance to like there's a type of music and a type of visual you imagine when you think of Motown and a similar thing happens with a lot of k-pop companies where like if I say YG a lot of people will probably think more like hip-hop focused songs like it used to be like a big thing was like SM Entertainment was like for visuals with not so much vocal talent, but they had a lot of like variety show stars. Um, mm-hmm. They also had vocal talent. I mean, like just look up TVXQ's old acapella videos; those are great. Um, but like, so why? <laughs> so like, there's like a different persona. I like linked to each entertainment company for whatever mm-hmm. reason, and like, they it just doesn't go away. Like, if you're from a big company, it's like I was saying like before, like it's like you're the Samsung if you're it's like Samsung's SM and YG's Lotte or or reverse or whatever like these aren't actual comparisons but like the names matter and the entertainment companies matter and Mm -hmm. it's very rare for a group or an act to kind of like rise up on their own just because they don't have the right sort of backing in the entertainment industry in Korea um because you, you you pretty much you need like support not just financial support but you need a lot of support to like get into the industry and like you need to know the right people and companies like sm and yg are large enough and honestly they have enough money coming in that like they are major players in the industry so any act that they produce is going to get more coverage than an act that random little abc entertainment puts out uh so people know i don't i don't i don't honestly know at what point international fans also got into the entertainment company thing. Like, I just don't. Like, I think maybe, really, part of me is just like, it must have been when H.O.T. and Jackie were, like, 
fighting it out in like 1990s, like the late 1990s. I just watched Answer, Answer Me 1997, which is a phenomenal look at the start of K-pop fandom. Um, if you ne- if you haven't watched it, you should watch it. It's really good. Um, I just really like it a lot. Um, so so like they like have this like face off scene where like in 1997, I think maybe 1998 at that point in the show, there's like two the like two of the first like major K-pop boy bands. Their fandoms are just like staring at each other. And, like, about to, like, fight it out. And then they, like, get told, oh, the concert venue is open. You guys can go inside. And they all just, like, run to their concert. Like, <laughs> they were, like, literally going to go, like, head-to-head. And those were, those were, H.O.T. was an SM act. And Jackie or Sex Keys. Nobody really knows how to pronounce it in English because it's S-E-C-H-S-H. It's, it's weird. weird. It's weird. It's, like, it, it reads, like, Sex Keys. And I used to think it was, like, Sexies. Skexies? But I, they pronounce it in <laughs> Korean. It's written Jackie. Like, they just print forget a lot of those letters and it's just Jackie. Um so H.O.T. and Jackie, like one was from SM Entertainment and one was from YG Entertainment and they were two of the first like major acts in K-pop. They're not the first acts in K-pop, uh, but like H.O.T. is still to this day considered like the first boy band that really like did K-pop with the intent of like being put together by a company and singing songs put together by a company and disbanding because they didn't like each other um <laughs> but like Jackie is actually actually still around um yeah, they, <laughs> they just put out their 20th anniversary album but they like Gosh. whatever there's a lot about Jackie but so pretty much I think I think it has something to do with Korean culture that like people associate any entity in Korea is associated with a larger conglomerate like if you go anywhere in Korea like you just pick up something and there's like a likelihood that it says something like Lotte or CJ or Samsung and like it could be something really random. Like, I, I would pick up, like, boxes of pasta, and it would say, like, Lotte, which is, Lotte, I think of it as a department store, but Lotte is also, yeah. I think, an engineering company or something. And, like, Samsung isn't known for their phones in Korea. They're known for their building boats. Like, oh. everything in Korea is, like, dominated by these conglomerates, and I think it went into the entertainment industry, too. So, like, there's kind of, like, brand awareness is really good. And... If you're listening to an SM band who's brand new, you you know that, like, maybe SM didn't get it on song one, but maybe on song three, they'll get it and things will click and things will be right because we know that SM puts out good songs. So I'm going to, like, stay with this band. And, like, YG, I just saw an article. Um, it was translated from Korean and it was about, like, why one of YG acts didn't necessarily do as well on the charts because YG acts always do well on the charts. And I was just, like, sitting here, like, the song didn't do well on the charts because people didn't like it. Like, it's not, yeah. people don't just magically not like a song put out by a big company in Korea. Like, people didn't like the song, so they didn't listen to it. But they, the, the premise of the article was, YG always does well. But it wasn't, like, acts that happen to be under YG do well. It was, YG acts always do well. And I think that definitely influences international fans to, like, like, there's definitely, like, I think it's less than it used to be. It used to be, like, really, you would never see an SM, like, fan like fanboying or girling over like a yg act yeah but that's not the case anymore (laughs) now you sort of mentioned about creative expression before but is there like how much space is there for the artists to sort of express themselves so um i saw the questions as they were being asked on twitter because you guys tagged me and i thought that was a really good i thought it was a really good (laughs) question uh because it depends it really 100 percent depends because you'll hear like, in interviews, I 
I interviewed Tiffany from Girls' Generation a few, last year when she released a solo album, and she was saying how, like, she always wanted to write songs, but the company would just be like, it's not good enough quality. Like, you need to become a better songwriter. But then mm-hmm. when she did write a good enough song, they put it on her album. Or, like, I know on other, like, member, other SM acts, like, they do have members who are writing songs for themselves and other other companies, like uh, Jonghyun from Shiny. Uh, he write, he like wrote stuff for like, so pretty much Jonghyun from Shiny is from SM Entertainment and he wrote songs for YG Entertainment artists, which you would have never seen like five years ago. Um, he wrote a song for Ehi under YG and because that's a side point, but he's like getting known for his production skills, but mm-hmm. he hasn't necessarily produced songs for Shiny, like his own band. Like it doesn't necessarily fit the sound that they want. Um, mm-hmm. I think he has, he has done a bunch, but like, it's not like he's their main producer because he's a producer who has like some skill. Um, and he has like, he produced his whole full album. I think, I think I'd have to check the production credits. Um, there is like this sort of, uh, burgeoning idea of like a producing idol. So like 17 is a boy band that gets a lot of credit for that because at least one of their members, Uzi, he like co-writes a lot of the songs. Um, and then, like, BTS, like, some of their members have a lot of production credits under their names. Uh, so there's, it's not like there's no, it's not like these people are, like, sitting in a box waiting for a song to be dropped <laughs> off. Like, they, I was just watching, I was just watching Twice's Weekly Idol episode, which is a variety show where they, like, interview bands every time they have, a like, a new release. And they were, like, were given a song for the first time produced by the company's like head J Park uh Park Jin Young JYP the company's called JYP Entertainment and the group had never had a, a song produced by him before and like JYP songs have not been doing as well as they used to be doing so did like did do Signal? He did Signal. There's like a very you so it used to be <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, I mean I I think the melody is really cool but that whole intro is and the outro yeah, rap yeah, is just yeah. like you need to cut that out. But so pretty much there's like this thing in the industry where it's not a it's not a it's not something that people don't talk about where JYP makes really good songs for himself but he can't really match them <laughs> to the right act. So like last year he had a really big success with a girl group called IOI. But so he decided <laughs> to like give twice a song this year and like the the hosts of the show are like so do you like getting a song from him when there's this like kind of stigma knowing that like he doesn't necessarily have the best track record (laughs) so they're like trying to be nice because it's like the head of their company and they were like uh yeah we were really honored and like the guy's like hosting he's like "Uh uh-huh okay like it's (laughs) it's, like very obvious like they're they're pretty new acts so you won't really hear them saying something about their company just because like the culture of the industry like they have no like, if they get in trouble, they get kicked out and lose their job. And, like, most of these people are, like, spent their, their youth trying to get into one of these acts. So, like, mm-hmm. people always question, like, why are these people, like, allowing, essentially, to some degree, abuse um, if something comes up? And you're just, like, because this is what they, they've been going for their whole life. Um, but at, like, larger companies, it kind of pays off. So, if you're at SM Entertainment or YG, I know... I actually don't know YG as well, but SM, several of the bands now either, Super Junior has their own label now that they kind of run, so they can pretty much do whatever they want, which they did already anyway, but that's because the band's crazy. Um, (laughs) They're just made of like a bunch of crazy people, Uh, but they they have stock options and several other, one of the like DHO team members and Boa, who is like one of the first 
crazy k-pop soloist to like take over like japan um she is like a director and it's just like creative director and i'm i'm guessing she's not sitting in every meeting about every song that's being produced but like she definitely has a say in her own songs and girls generation someone's definitely picking their songs for them but based on what they've said in interviews like they're not singing a song anymore that they hate and it's just kind of like a hierarchy of like building up enough leverage that like even if you have a song that like doesn't necessarily match the like what you love like you can speak out and you can kind of say something um people still aren't gonna release a song that's really radically different from what like mainstream korean listeners like uh we've seen that fail multiple times by popular acts so the one that's like popping into my head right now is um wonder girls was that's really hard for me to say because they like just broke up <laughs> relatively recently they were mm. a popular girl group that tried to break into the u.s they like toured with the jonas brothers they had a oh, nick yeah. they had a, like a nick movie like a teen nick movie or something like they did a lot and one of their members yayun she released a song under another name which i thought was kind of silly because people didn't realize it was her anyway but she released a song that was unlike anything that was in mainstream k-pop at that time and I personally really liked it, but the average Korean listener had never heard anything like it, so they weren't, like, into it, and it just flopped. And mm. so a lot of people hold her song up as, like, this is what happens when you let K-pop stars do what they want, yeah. <laughs> which really sucks, because, like, it, first of all, she's not the only one, and um, we are seeing more and more K-pop stars develop their careers. So, like, a few years ago, you would never see a soloist just come out of a company while they're still in their band like it it was it was like we would do a subgroup like super junior has a lot of members so okay we're gonna make kry and and h and t and they had all these crazy groups and now you're seeing like a lot of singers just like i'm gonna go solo but then when my band wants has time to release a song together we're gonna do that Mm -hmm. um and the soloists definitely have more of a role because like they're the only one there. There's nobody else to take into account. You need to make the song match the person. Um, you need to make the, the album's concept match the person. And if you don't, it's probably going to bomb. But you can, like, some people look... Um, Taman from Shiny. I don't know why Shiny just, like, really did really well with, like, their solo stuff. They, yeah. like, Taman from Shiny, he... You can tell that, like, he really wanted to do a certain style of music. And it, and it shows. And, like... It's so good. Yeah, like, people really <laughs> hold him up as, like, kind of, like, this is what happens when you, like, are really young in a K-pop group, and it's a good K-pop group, and it's still around, and they still release music, but you let the members kind of do their own thing also. Um, so yeah. he's one of several members in that group who has released his own music, and it just, and it kind of clicked. Like, he was able to give himself this identity that I, I mean, like, I haven't, I don't know, I've never spoken to him, but um i'm guessing he had some creative like saying like i want to do something like this if i'm going to be doing solo music because i do this with the band mm-hmm. um and that's definitely what i've heard from other acts who do solo stuff be like you kind of have to work your way up to gain enough like clout that, like if you if you do something that's like not really what people like that you can like come back from it so the companies yeah. kind of have to trust that like it's, it's like you're in a i mean just think of it like a business like it's not like these people are just like singers like they're they haven't won over people slowly slowly and made it to the top a lot of them made it to the top of like competing trainees and then they were put into this group and the song more often than not takes off before the act itself 
Um, like if you get popular on a variety show or as an actor, it's really hard for a lot of soul singers to like kind of prove their worth with their music. We've seen it happen several times where like somebody gets popular for a moment on a TV show or like a, an acting stint on a, on a drama and then they don't release a good song afterwards and mm. they just like fall off the face of the planet, <laughs> which is kind of crappy. So you kind of have to build your way up. Like you have to prove that like you're not just a baby first year singer, like and you're not a second one. And so like by the time you get up to like your fifth year, they might start giving you creative like allowances in your music, depending on your company. Because like I was saying, like BTS, pretty early on they started having production credits. And seventeen, since like before day one, they were already like our members write the music and produce it, and they direct the music videos and like everything. Um, so it really depends on the company and how things work and as k-pop k-pop didn't really have staying power until recently that's going to sound really weird and not 100 percent accurate <laughs> but like sm acts weren't expected like acts aren't expected to last longer than seven years because that's the limit of most contracts so i literally wrote an article this year for billboard that was essentially like who's gonna break up this year but i didn't name it that um, <laughs> I, I like named it something else, and it was essentially like me saying like, okay, Sister is probably gonna break up, and Sister literally just announced the other day that they're disbanding because their contract has come to an end, and like, mm-hmm. Tiara probably gonna disband because their contract coming to an end. Kara, their contract come to like, when your contracts come to an end, a lot of the time there used to never ever ever be any reason for a K-pop act to continue because usually they already hit their peak and they were already done. Now, because K-pop is such a large following throughout the world and there's so much money flowing in, it kind of, it's beneficial for artists to want to make it work with their company. So, like, acts like Super Junior, like, they have a lot of members and not all of them are going to necessarily be popular if they, like, go to become actors or singers or variety stars, like, on their own. I mean, this is just me just, like, guessing. I haven't spoken to anyone about this, but, like, I'm guessing that they came to deal with their label, like, okay, like, We'll keep renew our contract because we are relatively popular and we are bringing in a lot of money. If like you give us more creative like freedom, so now they have their own label and YG Entertainment. I assume a similar conversation happened when Epic High was like, "We want to start our own label here," and that's kind of what happened. And we're seeing more and more creative freedom, still tied to the entertainment industries in the hierarchy, but they're definitely more free. And there's kind of you're never really sure when someone says something in K-pop if, like, oh, you really produced the song or, like, you're just saying you produced the song. That sounds horrible, but there's been instances where that's been, like, mm, not true. Um, so, but there's now, like, singers are being pushed for their production credits. Like, I just read an article a few minutes ago, actually, because it's National Wine Day today. And um, <laughs> Suran, who's, a like, a K-indie singer... She released a song called Wine. So I was listening to it because it was National Wine Day. And <laughs> BTS's Sugar was like in in the song title. It was like Suran's Wine with the rapper, I think it was Changho or Changmo or something, produced by Sugar. And they were using mm-hmm. the fact that Sugar pro- co-produced the song. He wasn't the sole producer. There was a, a, a larger production team, but they used that as a marketing tool for her song. And guess what? Her song is still topping like Korean music charts. And I, I don't think it's necessarily because Sugar was in it, because it's a really good song. Definitely but it, it was definitely <laughs> helped propel it to people's attention because Sugar produced it. Yeah. And so, like, people are now using it as, like, 
we have singers, but they also produce and they're more creative. And it's, it's like feeding into the idea that it's more authentic than manufactured. Hmm. Yeah, I actually, Saran's song, I really like it a lot. <laughs> it's really nice. Regardless of like who produced it, but her voice is like really different mm-hmm. almost. Like not something that I've heard in like the other like k-pop music that i listen to because she's not really k-pop um but uh yeah that's a good one all right the next question is what are local interpretations on hallyu era its ties to capital and its tendency to appropriate black artistic expression specifically uh so i'm not too sure like what's meant by local interpretations on there uh but there's absolutely a ton of appropriation that happens for sure that's like one of the main like issues that i've got with with k-pop especially like some of the earlier k-pop um and that's more like for me i notice it more uh like on the visual side so like the way that they're dressing they're kind of taking it from uh like old like older hip-hop and like rap uh style videos and then like they give their uh idols like cornrows and stuff i'm like please don't do that (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah like for me it's mostly like at least what i've i've noticed especially more recently now that i've been like paying more attention to it uh is like the the visual angle of it um yeah there's definitely there's a a lot of issues <laughs> in K-pop with that. Um, visuals are definitely are the first thing to jump out a lot of the time, and like Korea regularly has issues where like international K-pop fans are like, uh, "This video I just saw on YouTube has someone doing blackface on a on a like an mm. SNL or something." Or uh, I, yeah, there's been like, a lot of that recently too. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't really know why there's been such an uptick in it, especially since like for a minute. It seemed like there was actually some conversations going on in Korea media about, like, black people. It's definitely, like, I don't think, maybe it's just because, like, we're North American culture and, like, appropriation is such a big deal. But, like, I Mm. I honestly, like, a lot of the time I'm just like, you have Korean Americans working for your company. Why is this here? (laughs) Like, but it still (laughs) happens. And, like, there was this crazy incident a few years ago where, like, CL, uh, formerly of 21 released a song that had like Quranic singing in it and like um I mean like maybe it's because I'm an orthodox Jew but like when I first heard it I was like I'm pretty sure this is a religious thing and I'm pretty sure some people are about to get really really mad because it would be like the equivalent of her like putting like I don't know gospel into her like her song or something and Korea is so Christian like people would freak out but it was just like in the U.S. you would if you did that it would be like It'd be like Lady Gaga's Judas. Like, she knows people are going to attack her. But, like, I don't honestly mm-hmm. don't think, like, CL knew people were going to be like, this is not, like, respectful. Like, I just don't – a lot of the time I'm, like, trying to be like, okay, they really didn't know. And then the rest of the time I'm just like, how did you not know? Like, <laughs> you, you apologize for this already. Um, that does seem to be a, a bigger problem, actually, to me. Not, I mean, like, it's a huge problem that people are doing it in the first place. But I think it's a bigger problem when they apologize and then go do it again. Mm-hmm. And And this happened recently um with one one with one act whose name i will not say um they did blackface they apologize and then they 
they sort of did it again. They maybe didn't, but people thought they did, and it was very weird. Um, and they had another instance in a music video where, like, one of the scenes showed, like, a, a member of the group being assaulted, and they were supposed to be, like, romantic. And you're just like, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Now I do. uh, So, so like they had to, they had to like remove their music video and re-edit it because people were just like, this is literally sexual assault. Um, So they did that and then they did blackface and it was weird. Um, And then they did blackface again, sort of. Um, So it's just like, it happens a lot. And it, and part of me is like, I lived in Korea, like there is no diversity, like, I look super white and people would regularly come over to me like, can I touch your blonde hair? And I'm like, my hair is literally like light brown. Like it's nowhere near blonde. Like people would, if I like, if I so much as like left Seoul for a minute, like me and my friend, we went and toured Korea because we were like, we're going to do this because we should do that while we're here. And then we were like, oh, this is why nobody tours most of Korea outside of like the main cities. Um, But it was like really boring. (laughs) Really pretty. (laughs) It was really pretty mountains and hikes. But like everywhere we went, we're just like, people are looking at us because like we're not Korean. And like, I do think that is some of it, like not necessarily that like people have no interaction with anybody from other cultures in Korea, but like that the society as a whole is still kind of like we're Korean. And so they don't really think about it, like how in America, like we're a melting pot. We have a lot of diversity. Uh, Canada has a lot of diversity. Like, I think it's something related to that, that like makes them think like, okay, it's just international fans. Like we don't have to respect them or anything. And it's, and it's really crappy because it keeps on happening. And like the music along with the visuals, like the music itself, like you'll hear like, if anybody listens to this, who's like a BTS fan other than. Uh, Riley, like, I'm gonna get killed for this, but BTS literally had a, like, reality show a few years ago called... Oh my god, no, don't talk about it. <laughs> BTS fans had to stop doing that, because we cannot just ignore things that they did. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's just, it's so awful. It, like, they have a, they had a reality show where they came to the US, it was called American Hustle Life, and they learned from rappers about how to, like, to gangster rap. And mm-hmm. they had, like, the rappers, like, or I, wasn't, I, I actually didn't even watch past the first episode, so I actually don't know if they were the rappers or anything. Like, they had, like, a bunch of black guys come and, like, attack them. Like, it was very weird and very uncomfortable. I literally did not watch the show anymore. I honestly, I was just like, oh, this is weird. This is inappropriate and should not have happened. Um, and, like, you'll hear often, like, Korean, like, singers or rappers say, like, that they want to rap more black and they want to, or, like, they think that, like, hip-hop, like, it's okay that, like, they're appropriating it because it's from black people. Um, mm. Like, it's it's very weird, and it happens, like, they say it all pretty regularly. Like, if you... I didn't watch on Pretty Rap Star, which is a rap-focused competition show with female rappers, and, like, there was one singer who... It wasn't quite clear whether she was trying to emulate Korea's most popular female MC who is Yoon Mire, who is a half black Korean woman. Um, so like, it wasn't clear if she was doing that and trying to emulate like her appearance um, or if she was just trying to imitate what she thought was hip hop culture. But like she had cornrows, huge hoops, like she, her skin was very dark, which is very rare in Korea. Like she was clearly tanning mm-hmm. to make herself darker. And in Korea, everyone, not everyone, but most people favor fair skin. So like, people kept calling her out during like the diss battles that they had like why are you trying to look more black or do you think it makes you a better rapper like it was really weird and she ended up winning which was even weirder 
so like it happens regularly and like one of the uh, block b zico he's like a pretty well-renowned rapper producer in korea i think oh he he just produced one of sized singles actually that just came out um and like there's a line in his song from last year with uh who did he do it with bermuda triangle Um. and and it like has a line in it like i um i have yellow skin but a black soul or something along those lines and like maybe it was a mistranslation or something but i listened to it a bunch of times in korean and i was just like i'm pretty sure this is what he's saying and maybe you could say like he has a dark soul or something because black in korean means dark and black at the same time so it was just like very confusing and i was just like oh this is weird and like you should not have included that on a song that like ended up being a major hit in south korea in 2016 like mm-hmm. if, if if some random asian rapper said that on american radio people would not be having it and i mean it's it's not the same but there's a lot of issues and it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon as popular as k-pop is apparently in the western world yeah so the next question is what does a k-pop idol have to do to make it up the career ladder uh, I think we kind of covered a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. like in one Maybe. of the earlier questions, yeah. kind of. Um, make money. Yeah. Make money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, otherwise, like, they don't have any capital to do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess we can we can cut this one out then. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, they have to, they have to prove that, like, they can chart or that they can be like good on entertainment shows or act or something but they like they have to make money otherwise they just like fall to the wayside yeah okay um so for people who are new to k-pop or you know interested in getting into it are there any acts or uh groups that you would recommend or even any particular songs well, so Pam, that playlist that I made for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, you made me a playlist. I did, yeah. Uh, Who's on this playlist? Uh, okay, here, let me see. <laughs> I don't did, even remember. Did you like it, Pam? Pam? Did you listen? I, I did. I think I listened to all of it. I might have missed the last couple songs. That's okay. But I, like, my favorite one was Big Bang, Fantastic Baby. Mm, that's like an that iconic was... one. That was my favorite of the group. Um, I also liked the Blackpink one, although I definitely mm-hmm. got like an Iggy Azalea vibe <laughs> on the appropriation. <laughs> oh, oh, oh Boomba! Was yeah, that yeah. Boomba? Yeah. Uh, I think Whist- I put whistle on. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here, here's what I got on there. I have uh, "Dope" by BTS. I put uh, "Blood, Sweat, and Tears" on there, and "Spring Day" because I love that one. Uh, and then I put Red Velvet, 21, Monster X, uh, their new one, uh, which I love. Also very good. Uh, and then I have Vix, Card, Twice, like, of course, because uh, I just wanted to put TT on there <laughs> to see if it would get stuck <laughs> in your head. Uh, some of Got Sevens, because so the reason that I put Got Sevens just right on there is because I use a gif all the time <laughs> of Jackson like doing like he's like dancing by like this giant like sweet roll package 
So I mm-hmm. use that GIF all the time, uh, like all, <laughs> all the time. So I was like, I have to put this in there. And so Pam was finally like, oh, now I know where that GIF that you use comes from. <laughs> And then she's like, I thought it was a Scandinavian woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I had no idea it was it was a K-pop thing. Surprise. No, no. Now I want to know what GIF it is. <laughs> I'll, I'll tweet it to you. Do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? And then, like, I put a couple extra ones on there because, like, every time I was thinking of something... I was like, oh, I should just throw it on there. Uh, so I put Winner's new song, Really, Really, mm-hmm. uh, 17. But I put all of their dance versions on there. So I don't know if, Pam, if you missed any of the 17 dance versions of their videos, you should you should check those out. Okay. Uh, because their choreography is really good and they're really, like, in sync with each other. Like, they're, I don't know. I don't know how to, they're... There's so many of them, too. <laughs> uh, and their songs are really catchy. 17 is great. I love yeah, 17. I really need them to come. I need I need them to go to LA KCON. They haven't announced it yet or anything, but I need them to go to LA KCON because I was really excited for like a good five minutes and then I, that they were coming to New York. And then I realized it's the night of my brother's wedding. So I'm not going to oh. a concert that night. <laughs> um, but I, I really, <laughs> 17's a lot of fun but I don't necessarily think they're for everybody's taste because mm. they're very boy bandy. Um, so yeah. if you like pop songs, they're like really good at pop songs. But uh, That's true. I think I think a lot of Western K-pop fans tend to get into it through like Big Bang and 21 and Blackpink, yeah. I guess, and, and BTS. Those are who people always suggest. My taste totally is not Western anymore because I just listen to way too much K-pop. <laughs> um, so like I don't know when to what to really suggest to anyone. Like I can tell you what like I think are some of the best K-pop songs ever, but uh, <laughs> it probably won't be like oh okay this is gonna make me like this fandom right away. Like how Fantastic Baby tends to get people. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I um I noticed I realized after that I didn't put like any. XO on there. I feel like I noticed you didn't say any SM, but I think yeah. But I think that's kind of like in, like I I tend to prefer SM's music to YG's music because uh-huh. I like more poppy sounds. Um, and uh, I think it like it's it's a personal taste, and like I don't necessarily show people SM stuff right away because everyone's just like, why are there thirteen members? And I'm just like, <laughs> or twelve. Sorry, XO was twelve, um, and seventeen was thirteen, which is confusing. Um, <laughs> so it's, they're just like, why are there 12 members or, or why are there nine girls? Or even when there's like five girls, people are like, why are there five girls? I'm just like, <sighs> but five I, is like normal. manageable. Normal. I mean, <laughs> yeah, five is sort of where we cap out here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, what do you think the reason is for having, you know, like seven, eight, 12 people? Is it just the, the spectacle of the videos and the performances? Um, mm-hmm. less than the spectacle, although that is like a reason. It's more because entertainment companies invest in these in these people, and they mm-hmm. and they need to actually put out these investments. And you can't, um, you have to be really, really good at breaking up when you drop one new group and another new group. So like, there's like a cycle to it. So like, you'll see SM Entertainment drop a boy group like I think it's like every two years, and then a girl group every other two years. So like that they never 
overlap and that there's never a new group too new that like they don't have time to grow from being like a new group to like a up and coming group um mm-hmm. so like what is it? i think uh, super junior tvxq was 2003 and they had five members and then in 2005 super junior had 12 and they were supposed to be rotational and they were supposed to like leave after a year because they had so many trainees at sm entertainment who were male who like hadn't made it into tvxq which was like the biggest group of k-pop for a really long time um so like they were gonna rotate them out and like they would graduate each year people didn't really like that so sm was like okay we're gonna add one more person in and you're gonna be 13 because we have really talented singer and we're not planning a boy group anytime soon so that's how they ended up with 13 originally and then like two years Mm -hmm. later there was girls generation in 2007 and then in 2008 we got shiny and then in 2010, 2009, we got FX. Yeah. Oh, you said that. I didn't even hear. 2009, we got <laughs> FX. So they like came in pairs for the company and they were like ro- rolling them out so that like they were never competing. And a, and a previous, like a boy band wouldn't come out until the previous boy band was popular enough. And mm-hmm. same thing with the girl group. So like Red Velvet really only came out after FX like had already like seen major, major success. Or relative major success because like they came after Girls Generation and Girls Generation is a huge success so like it's hard to to compare them um, for a lot of reasons but their their music is more poppy or more their music is a lot more European sounding and YG's music is a lot more American sounding if that makes sense mm. uh, because I mean SM tends to hire international musicians. And, uh, to produce their music, so like they tend to look overseas, and a lot of them happen to come from Europe. Um, so, I guess a, a good a good way to say it is like YG is more like Rihanna, and SM is more like a Carly Rae. Oh, okay. oh. yeah, that okay. helps at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, does anyone have anything they'd like to add? about k-pop before we wrap this up no i think i spoke too much as it is (laughs) (laughs) uh just that i'm like super like excited that i got to talk to somebody about it (laughs) you can hit me up anytime i literally don't shut up about it (laughs) also yeah like i pam has been like (laughs) extremely kind and indulges me whenever i talk (laughs) about it on the podcast so (laughs) Also, like, if anybody's listening and they want, like, I will share that playlist with you and I'm going to add, like, a bunch more stuff on it because every time I think that I'm done, I'm like, oh, no, I should put this one on there, too. <laughs> but, like, the music videos go, like, you got it, but you got to sit down and watch the music video, too. Like, but Wait, Riley, you didn't, never said for oh. your listeners who might want to reach out to you about K-pop, who your favorite K-pop bands are or what music you're listening to right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, BTS is probably, probably my favorite, uh, but then, like, Seventeen is also right up there, and then, like, EXO's subunit, CBX. I like their stuff. Oh my so. gosh, this gif is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite one. Oh, it's from Just Right. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Anytime she's excited about something, that's what we see. Jackson <laughs> He's so great. Also, okay, so like I also like God Seven. 
But I find like sometimes their stuff is really busy and like really loud. So like especially their like big hits that they put out. Um, so like I kind of end up liking the songs that they don't promote as much as their first uh, like big single that they're putting out. Like Hard Carry's okay, but it's a little too much for me. <laughs> especially after like a bunch of listens that I'm like, okay, I'm done with you. <laughs> That's not even their new one. But yes, anyway. Never- I don't want to go on because I could keep going. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Tamara, for coming on. I've definitely learned a lot about K-pop. Yay. Um, <laughs> do you want to tell people where they can find you and your writing on the internet? Well, if you're happy with what I said, you can find me at Tamar <laughs> <laughs> Writes on Twitter. Um, my articles typically are found on Billboard, but I do freelance for a lot of other places. So Twitter is where I have them. Or I recently started a website, TamarHerman.com. So I do put everything there, except news pieces, because news pieces are just I do a lot of them also, and those are pointless to share everywhere because there'd be like 3,000 news pieces then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And Riley, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at K-A-L-E-R-I with an underscore and also on twitch.tv slash Kaleri where I stream Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays and one weekend day uh, learning Korean. All right, and you can find me on Twitter at Josila underscore or on YouTube at Cannot Be Tamed. If you've got any feedback or questions for us, you can reach out at MediaMavensCast at gmail.com or contact us on Twitter at underscore MediaMavens. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a forum for discussion of any of our episodes at cartridgeclub.org. And if you like the show, please leave us reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Okay, and now onto the question. Sorry, I really ramble. You can really, you can really cut like anything that's just too long and rambling. I mean, like I'm, I'm the one that's editing this episode, so I'm gonna be like, this is great. I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs>